Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Please be advised that Gen X This Is Why contains adult language, and this episode will contain discussion of eating disorders. This is a merch alert, Jenny. Infants are a destabilizer. Hi, and welcome to Gen X This Is Why, the podcast where we re-examine the sometimes bizarre and often scarring media of our shared childhood. My name is Amy, and I'm a proud Gen Xer born in 1977. And I'm her sister, Jenny, born in 1974. Today, we're going to continue our time capsule series with our look at The Crown Season 4. This is part three of our series, and we're covering episodes six, seven, and eight. So today, Jen, we're going to kick off with episode six, Terra Nullius, which is nobody's land. Yes, in Latin. Okay. All right. So, Jenny, what did you think of this batch of episodes, the last half? It was a whirlwind. It's a lot to take in. (laughs) Like a lot (laughs) of shit happened. (laughs) Um, I'm having, just for our listeners, I'm having a little throat issue. Like my voice is dry. And I think it's because we had the heat cranked. Could be. We've been cranking the heat for like a month now. It's 15 degrees here. Oof. All right. So I really, I liked the last half of the season. You saw the announcement, right, about the new actors coming in. Well, I know the lady from Harry Potter is going to be the queen. And Noah from The Affair. It, well, Mom wasn't spreading fake news. That's Mom true. Mom spreading somewhat fake news. She's always spreading fake news. She's in final talks. Oh, so we don't know for sure. I don't know how I feel about that. I feel he's going to play it. Charles. Yeah, uh, Charles is going to get a whole hell of a lot more sympathetic in my well, eyes. To be honest, I feel like he's too good looking to play him. Maybe they'll ugly him up a little bit because <laughs> <laughs> the guy who plays Charles is good looking. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. He's way better looking than Charles is. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay. All right, Jen. So there's a newly elected, I put newly elevated. That's wrong. There's a newly (laughs) elected prime minister, Bob Hawke. We're in Australia now, people. He's hoping that Charles and Diana's upcoming visit is going to help seal the support he needs to finally and completely break away from the British monarchy. He hopes they flop. He hopes like they annoy everyone and, and the trip goes badly and they're like, why are we dealing with this monarchy? And as with our other episodes, guys, we're just going to go real high level summary here. We're not going to summarize everything because we're hoping that you've watched it with us. Dear right. God, I hope you're not relying on us for full coverage no. of this shit. Nope. This, is, this is more like our Cobra Kai approach. If you've listened <laughs> to that, it's somewhere okay. between the two. So according to the New York Times, Jen, formally speaking, Australia is a constitutional monarchy which means the queen is the head of state. And according to the Royal family's website, when the queen visits Australia, she speaks and acts as the queen of Australia. Whoa. And not as the queen of the United Kingdom. Wow. Hmm. So, so Australia, while Republic in nature is still very much part of the crown. That's at that time. At that time. Yeah. Because I think after that, it's, I think it's changed now. No, that's a current article from the New York Times. They were talking about this episode and how Australia is still part of it. 
Oh, I thought the Australian Act severed them further. I, I think guess it not. Severed them further. Okay, but yeah, because they ruled themselves. Like they passed their own laws. They ruled yes. themselves. Yep. It's more ceremonial. It sounds like. I wonder if they take tax money though. Oh, I like, wonder. I wonder if UK takes tax money. I don't know, Stacy. <laughs> Leave Stacy out of this. That poor woman. Okay, so back at the palace, what I'm calling the woman's auxiliary club, which is the the matriarchs gathered together queen okay. mom elizabeth and margaret. and margaret they're chatting about how diana is struggling to cope i wonder why because they're all <laughs> acting like maniacs and bullying her and margaret is the one like with all the scoop and she's telling them that um she has bulimia and where's margaret getting the scoop from the housing staffs of all the houses i thought she was getting it from dazzle no, Dazzle gets, I don't know if Dazzle gets the scoop about the family. He gets the scoop okay. about society. Okay. Dazzle. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Anne then pipes up and says she hears that Diana is taking the baby with them on the Australian tour as a stabilizing influence. And what does the queen say back, Jen? How the hell is an infant a stabilizing, <laughs> a stabilizing influence? Never. She's correct. Yeah. She's correct. Infants, this is a merch alert, Jenny. Infants are a destabilizer. <laughs> <laughs> to any situation. Okay, but the I, have queen, a, I have a question. Like, ahead. it didn't even occur to the queen to do that with her children or that leaving her kids for five months at crucial ages would have had a lasting effect on them. Like, they have a conversation around that. And they're like, well, weren't you afraid of, la-? I forget who says it, but they're like, weren't you afraid of lasting effects, quote unquote? And the queen is like, why? No, the tour was great. The tour was a success. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like, it Margaret, doesn't even compute that this could have impact her children. It's interesting because it's Margaret and Anne that have that exchange. Yeah. Like the queen is like, oh, we left the kids for like six months. Yeah. And the queen's <laughs> like, don't you think that would have adverse? And she's like looking at Anne when she says it. Yeah. And Do you then, think that's a generational thing or a social status thing? I think it's a queen thing or her specific, like her, her specific her, the ice queen thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think she just, she, and we see this when we get to 48 one, she just, the minute she became queen, she devoted her life to that. Yeah. It's the most and important thing, mm-hmm. even over her own children. I think. Yes. Yep. I think so. All right. So they keep, I want to say something here. They keep, sort of framing or pitting the queen's mothering against Diana's mothering. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. And I don't like it. I don't like it either. Like that is a contest. The queen will always fail. Yeah. Like she'll always fail that test, that popularity contest. So I guess this is like the central conflict for. Well, it's unfair because Diana's not a queen. Right. And it's so a different Diana, generation. It's a different time. She's a different age. Not only is Diana not a queen, but she is mother to the heir to the throne. Right? Like William is going to be the heir to the throne. Well, the queen is also mother to heir. To she the heir is to also. The yeah, that's true. I didn't think of that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Meanwhile, at Highgrove, Charles and Car- Camilla are telling jokes at a party, and they're just like so in sync. Ugh. They're that couple that finishes each other's sentences, and how her husband could sit there not think I know. Unless he knows. Right there. Unless he might he not knows. care. Yeah, he might not care. Because we like, know he, he might have been doing this. Yeah, he might have been doing right. the same thing. He has side pieces, so it's okay. And if that's their arrangement, I'm good on them. Okay. So there's a quick scene, Jen, where Philip and the Queen prep Charles and Diana about Australia. Oh, is and, this when they're talking about their their wild success and how it made their marriage amazing? And and again, I am a sucker for any glimpse of affection between those two. I just love them. I don't know why. Because Philip, you know, we talked about how he's problematic with the racism. Oh, yeah. yeah and I yeah. still love him and her together. Oh, boy. Okay. I don't know. Okay. All right, so they start talking about how this tour is so important and how it saved their marriage, and I wrote, no pressure. I mean, Philip, that actor, was his name Tobias? Mm-hmm. That actor plays him 
like kind of he's kind of comical the way he plays him. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think he's really like that. Like I think that he he makes him more appealing. Maybe, maybe. All right, so now we have Charles and Diana going to Australia. And, you know, I'm just going to summarize this next scene by saying that baby's a pain in the ass. <laughs> all the Poor William. Poor, it's a baby. Isn't that all they do? My babies did like not cry like years. that. They did not they, cry like that. Don't they do that for like three years? That's your life? They're just crying? I will tell you this. Ask any mother who's had a child. Ask any mother. <laughs> Let me ask all the mothers who haven't had a child. Ask any mother, they will tell, like, you hear baby crying now, it goes through you. Like, you're like, oh, make it stop. Make it oh, stop. Really? I mean, like, I've always felt that way. Though. I cannot watch a scene with the baby crying. Timmy and I will just shut it off. We can't even deal with it. No, I can, I can, I've never been able to, ever. Oh, it, it's, it's, like gives you, it's like PTSD for me. Um, so they're on the plane and Diana's like freaking out because she's adamant that they don't move the baby around too much. The baby, the baby, the baby, the baby, you know, whatever. William's already super stressed. William. Yeah, he is. (laughs) He is. Diana chides a Dean. That's their guy. A Dean. Mm hmm. Dean making him, she brings him into the back of the plane. He's like, look at this baby. What do you see? This one weird. This it was, was weird. weird. What kind of a boy? Is he peaceful or restless? Peaceful. Is he handsome or gross? Handsome. Is he like pink or green? Like, I don't understand. What, what was she trying to do there? I don't know. She was being like super passive aggressive or just, just aggressive. <laughs> not even passive. I, I don't think that was going to say. I think that's just aggressive. It's just, it's really annoying. You see Charles is super annoyed. Like he's it's kind of just used- the worst idea ever. It's the worst idea ever. He's kind of used to the type of mothering that he yeah. got. Yep. Out of sight, out so of mind. It makes you wonder, would this trip have been very different had the baby not been there? And had, you know, she been able to be loose and free and get drunk and be crazy? I or don't did the baby kind of bring them together? I think she's very dedicated to being a mother. Like, I think she would have been a mess without him, without the baby. Like, I think she would have been real. Like, she would. she's very attached to him, it seems like. I think she would have been very depressed if she didn't have the baby with her. Do you think that's a young mother thing? Let's ask mom. So, no. Because if somebody was like, do you want to go to Australia for three weeks? Right after I had my kids. <laughs> and I knew that they were in good hands and very well taken care of. I think, I mean, I think she, like, that's her only attachment. That's the person that she loves. That's that's what she feels. Like, she's in this world where she doesn't feel connection to any of these people. And sure. I think that that is, you know, William's the person she feels connection to. But I wonder if a part of her wants him to see what a good mother she is. And thinks that's how she'll win him. Because I think I think early on in their marriage anyway, at this point, she's trying to win him. So she's just waving around like the heir to the throne? Like, here it is? Well, she might think, and I'm just speaking from the point of view of, like, a young woman. She might think, like, how could he not love me when he sees what a good mother I am to his son? Maybe. You know what I mean? When she doesn't realize if she really knew him, that's not what attracts him. Doesn't matter, right? That doesn't he matter. likes the the independent, strong kind of Camilla flavor of of women. Yeah, like that's what I'm wondering. Would he would he have seen her in a different light if she could have broken away from the baby? That was very much her like part of her identity, though. Right. All right, so there's this great scene with Philip and the Queen. She's watching old footage of the tour, and they reminisce. And he's like, everybody came out to see their beautiful young queen. And she's like, now I'm just <laughs> old and dumpy. And he's like, you're experienced and mature. Philip. <laughs> and he goes, you should have went yourself instead of sending the B team. The B <laughs> Charles is the B team. Charles is so the B team. Oh, my it. God. Okay. Then they go to Ayers Rock and Aust- and Diana almost faints. <laughs> she can't climb it. 
to be fair, it's probably a hundred degrees. Hundred degrees. Like yeah. you've been to Australia. Were you there in the summer? I was there in February, which is the summer. Yeah. It was and, pretty hot. Yeah, yeah. It's hot. She's bulimic, so she's not super strong all the time. Yep. And I was like on the show. I was in Sydney. Like, don't aren't they like land like in interior a little bit? Not I like forget. not like back, but they're they're in some hot spots. Yeah. They're on the West Coast some of the time. So later, Jen, Charles is ranting to Camilla on the phone that Diana's a child and just can't handle shit. He, this is the problem though. Like he has to sever that connection with Camilla because like it's never going to change. He's always going to compare her to Camilla because he's on the phone with her talking to her all the time. He's like, that's always going to be a constant. He's never going to break that dynamic unless he gives her up. Spoiler alert, he doesn't. No, I know. And that's a huge, I mean, that just constantly sabotages their relationship. There's no chance of it working. And it's interesting because Camilla's always saying, you can't end your marriage. You can't do this. If she really wanted them to make their marriage work, she would back off. She would have just dropped them like a hot potato. And that would have worked. Like then, you know, makes you wonder like if she did that, if she was like, I don't ever want to see you again. Like this is done. If they, I still don't think they would have gotten along, but they would have, probably gotten along for a while. Maybe. Diana. Yeah. Like I think they, yeah. they would have had a chance at least. Like, yeah. I don't think they're a good match even with Camilla out of the picture. Me either. But you know, he's calling her child. Dude, you married a 19 year old. Yeah. You married a kid. You married a child. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's I not, think, it's I not Mary, Mary level. I think Mary Ingalls would have been a more mature person. <laughs> it's not Mary. It's not a 13 year old. But it's not too you don't far think off. Mary Ingalls could have climbed that fucking rock? Oh, she would have climbed that rock. No yeah. problem. All With, right. Wearing a wool coat, probably. <laughs> so they're on. So while Camilla and Charles are on the phone, Diana starts throwing a fit in the background. She has to go see. Okay. So the way they set it up is the baby was away for like a week at a sheep station while they <laughs> were doing with sheep, which was weird. Like, I feel like that just caused all this drama for no reason. Like, why that and they were that was on the west side of Australia and they were going to the east side, right? Like that's far. It's like across our country. Like so, it's yep. So they get in a fucking plane and they go see that baby. Yeah, because Diana flips the fuck out. She flips the fuck out. So they get there and they're having like a touching moment with William, and this really happened. There's footage of it that you could watch where they're in the garden on a blanket. They're playing with the the kid, whatever. The press is all over this. Of course. And they're yelling things like, what's his favorite toy? Who does he look like? Okay. Some douche nozzle yells, what about a spare? And I think um, he's saying like the air in the spare. Air in the spare. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm glad I had twins. Although even though I had twins, I still got the when you having another one. But, really? But people... You know, when they have one. I would never say that to somebody who had twins because I feel like they punch me in the face. I used to say, maybe down the road, if I survive this, I'll let you know. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I'm pushing around two six-month-old kids in a stroller. To be fair, they're they're in Australia and, like, the wildlife there and the insects and the birds could kill that baby in a second. So it's kind of a fair question given the surroundings. That they should make a spare. Like I was in a, I was in the botanical gardens in Sydney and it's awesome. It's beautiful, like amazing. And I'm walking by and I'm like, oh, this is so nice. Oh, taking pictures. And all I see is this giant spider web, like around these cactuses, like 10 feet away from me, not even above my head. And there's just a thousand spiders on it that are like nope. three inches big. Nope. I almost fucking died. Nope. Just hanging out there, like in a public park, like it's nothing. No. Mm-mm. I... Almost died. Am I supposed to be upset about that? It's a heart attack. Like, freaked out. Jenny, later, this is the big scene everybody talks about for this episode. They have this big knockdown drag out fight. The the talk, you know, I'm sure you've been in this position. I have been where things aren't going well. And finally, somebody just says it. (laughs) You know what I mean? And like, you, you just have a super honest talk. Yep. And they're having this talk and Charles admits that he knows about the bulimia. They talk about not being understood. It's a very well-written scene. And Charles like kind of presents as vulnerable for the first time with her. Like 
he's pretty much like, oh, even though it's so lonesome, I do like to be told I'm handsome and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So then they, uh, they make out and she calls him handsome. Oh, and he tells her he loves her. Yes. And like, he seems to mean it. He does. Cause he kind of stumbles into it and he has a hard time saying it. Yeah. And he looks shocked by it. But I think what he's doing is like, he's always going to separate his marital love from romantic love. Like that's yeah. how he's done it in his mind. Right. It's mm-hmm. like, this is, and that wasn't uncommon in like royal marriages and sure. people got married for political or social reasons instead sure. of for love. But like that's, he's kind of, you kind of see him at that moment compartmentalize. Like yeah. I can love both yes. of these people different. Yep. It's a different thing, but that it's like, it's doomed. It's doomed. So they attend a ball the next night and there's some great chemistry between them in the actual footage. She's a lot taller than him. Really? Yes. Huh? Like, I don't know if she has heels on. I'm sure she does. But she's taller than him in that footage. Hmm. Very That's interesting. interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. he's we, so insecure. Like, he's so insecure. Right. And he's in constant competition, if you, like, notice, by things he says and stuff. He's in competition with the queen. Yes. Like, they kind of, there's this, always this underlying. And he even says it when they are, like, when they're getting along, him and Diana. He's like, I feel like calling mommy and saying... The decibels for Diana were high. Like he's yep. just yep. a child and he's like so insecure and just so It's not like, even that he's in constant competition with the queen. He is in constant need of her approval and he'll never get it. Right. Right. So yeah, that's true. Constant like, look at me, look at me, look he's at me. He's trying to get her attention. Yep. She'll, he'll never get it. No. 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 Not the kind he wants. So this is like a high point for them, Jenny. They're banging. He's not taking Camilla's calls. Like things are going pretty well here. Which is, which that's the right, if he wants to make this work, that's what he has to do. Yep. And then things start to go downhill. (laughs) Well, I mean, they're, they're momentarily in a vacuum, right? Like they, they, they're kind of in this little vacuum and love can, relationships can work in a vacuum. Better yeah. than like as soon as like real life starts to come back in and they yep. pick up their tour again, it all starts to fall apart. Yep. And why is it falling apart? Because the crowds are loving Diana. And, and Charles, Charles. Jealous. He's extremely jealous. And at one event, he even starts passive aggressively, like making jokes at her expense. He plays, I wrote polo, rugby, or the same thing. Polo's on a horse. Was he on a horse? Yes. Polo. He's playing polo, and the spectators actually start booing that Diana isn't there. Charles is not going to play rugby in a million years. There's no way. Finally, Jen, the tour turns out to be a massive success, but only because of, quote, the people's princess. Yes. And the press starts to frame her as human, approachable, and the Prime Minister Bob Hawke even tells Charles Diana has saved the crown in Australia. So he turns ugly and they start fighting again. He's pissed at her for just being her. And by the time they get to New Zealand, she's binging and purging and he's calling Camilla. Yeah. Yep. We're back. We're back. When they get home, Diana tries to get an audience with the queen to talk about her marriage. But Elizabeth, who's also jealous of her, (laughs) she dismisses her. She's like, what are you talking about? You're on the cover of all these magazines. The tour work. Thanks. What do you mean you're upset? So she really, like, she calls her out. Like, he's jealous of me. And you need to do something about this. Because I'm playing for the team and you're the captain of the team, she tells her. You know what's happening here? What you're starting, especially with Charles, I feel like, is you're you're really feeling the absence of Uncle Dickie. Yeah. Like, that guidance. Like, he would have been able to steer this and handle this. Like, none of them have that guidance. Because Philip's not going to do it. Philip's not going to do it. Not even close. The queen's not going to do it. Like Charles is missing that guidance. And so so is the queen in a way. And so is the audience in a way. Yeah. We're like, where's Dickie? This is a fucking train wreck. I liked him. Okay. So he would have managed this so much better. Later, the women's auxiliary club meets again. (laughs) And queen mom says, look, Diana's either going to bend or break. And then she snaps a breadstick. And we the queen mom, the queen mom, 
It's fucking harsh, man. She is harsh. And Jenny, this is a good segue. We learn exactly how harsh she is in episode seven, which is the hereditary principle. She's harsh. And she lived to be like a hundred, didn't she? She just died not that long ago. Jesus Christ. Yeah, she lived to be over a hundred, I think. Pause. All right, we're back. Jenny, how long did she live and when did she die? So she didn't just die, even though I felt like, I feel like she just died. That was in 2002. Was she a looming presence in your life, Jenny? No, that was in 2002. That it went like, I was like, I I feel like that just happened, but it was 2000. But she did live to be 102 years old. Hmm. So she would have been like 120 if she died recently. Good. Yeah, she was born 1900. (laughs) Okay. All right, so we're just going to real light skip episode seven and eight here. Like, just really light, skip a lot of the detail, touch on what happened, because there's really no Charles and Diana in it. Right, they're not really specific to the Gen X timeline and Diana and Charles. So in episode seven, there is an interesting dynamic that's emerging. Now, I read this whole article about the role of the second-born royal, Margaret. The spare? The spare. Well, Margaret's not the spare anymore. She was. Right. So the second born um, is pretty interesting. Okay. So in this episode, we discover Margaret has to have the same lung operation as her father. And she's struggling to stay busy since now she has to give up drinking and smoking. Her health is starting to decline. Yeah. But she's hanging out. her mental health is starting to decline. But she's hanging out with her uh, boyfriend, Derek Dazzle Jennings. (laughs) who turns out not to be too interested because he's gay. Now I want to say something about the gay part of this. The queen calls him a friend of Dorothy. Oh my God. Did she really? Yes. So um, I know what that means. I know it's a derogatory term for a gay person, but I wanted to look up a little bit of the history. Okay. So I thought I assumed it was, because of Judy Garland. Judy Garland. That's what I thought it was too. Is that not it? But some people think that it is derived from The Road to Oz, which is a sequel to the first novel of The Wizard of Oz. The book the book introduces readers to Polychrome, who upon meeting Dorothy's traveling companions exclaims, you have some queer friends, Dorothy. And she replies, the queerness doesn't matter so long as they're friends. Huh. So supposedly that's where it is. But a lot of people think it's because of Judy Garland. Either way, not good. It's a way that people talked about being gay when being gay wasn't allowed to be acknowledged. So not good, Queen Elizabeth, but, you know, especially using this. They're not the most progressive people. Right, but especially using this kind of language in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, if we were doing our Little House podcast, we might be like, okay, Mr. Edwards, that's, that's an excuse for you, but no. <laughs> this is 1980. Yeah. All right. So once Margaret, like, once her health starts to slack and she has to pull back from her royal duties a little bit and Dazzle turns out to be joining the priesthood, she gets depressed and Charles urges her to seek psychotherapy. She goes to a therapist who tells her that... She has two institutionalized first cousins on her mother's side. Do we not have HIPAA laws? At this no, point? definitely not. Nope. Clearly wow. not. Because no one could ever tell you that. Like, wow. that would be unheard. Like, wow. Like, yeah. do you just, first of all, first of all, how would it be fucking awesome or would it be crazy and appropriate to have one therapist treat a whole family? Uh, inappropriate <laughs> unless they were in group like unless they were in group therapy wouldn't together. it be cool though in a way like you could go in no. like i could go in and be like guess what jenny did and the therapist would be like oh what now and like, then the therapist would you. come in and be like yeah i know i can't even imagine living with amy yeah <laughs> i don't know it might work i'll be like hey therapist hey Bree's family therapist <laughs> This is the list of things Amy's going to come in and cry about next week. (laughs) Get ready for that. Okay. Margaret asks for someone to check on the sisters and she's told they are dead. Okay. But they're not. Margaret is clearly, Margaret's clearly struggling, struggling with depression. I think. 
Oh, 100%. Well, and did you catch the part where she says, when she's asking about keeping busy, when she's asking the queen about keeping busy, she's basically like, I can't smoke. I can't drink. Like, I can't have wild times. Like, I'm going to hang out with my sister. Like, she's like on her now. Like, that queen's kind of like, okay, okay. I'm going to hang out with my best friend, Elizabeth. Yep. Yep. She's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So the bottom line here, and, you know, there's really not too much else to say about this. Um, Margaret ends up discovering that the sisters are still alive. And there's actually another cousin or something. Mm -hmm. They're all on the queen mom's side. And she discovers that the queen mom is a monster who had them locked away. That's the Bo's side, right? Yes. So what we know is, hold on, I have it here. Catherine and Nerissa Bowes Lyons were the daughters of the Queen Mother's older brother, John Jock Bowes Lyon. They were committed to the Earlswood Asylum in 1941, and both were listed in Burke's peerage as having died by 1961. In truth, as verified by the photos and birth and death dates included in the epilogue for the hereditary principle, both sisters were very much alive during the events of this episode. Nerissa died in 1986 and Catherine died in 2014. Yeah, she just died. I heard that on that podcast. Yeah. That's crazy. So that was the queen. So that's that's Elizabeth and Margaret's cousins. Yes. Wow. First yep. cousins. Yep. Wow. And they were locked away because they didn't want people to question the purity of the crown. This is getting oh, a the little like, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. It, it turns out, though, that it it wouldn't have mattered, right? First of all, it shouldn't matter anyway. No, no, no. But, I, I know, I know. But, but whatever yeah, was it wrong was, with them was not. It was on the wife's side. Yes. Which wasn't a blood relative of the crown. Yes. So now we're starting to see the queen mom, man. She is. She's bad, man. She's, she's bad news. She was the puppet master of everything. Well, and the other thing that we see in this episode is the relationship between the sisters. And that Margaret realizes again, like, I don't know how many times Margaret's going to get disappointed by Elizabeth. Like, Mm -hmm. because Elizabeth puts the crown before everything, before Mm -hmm. her children, before, like, definitely before her sister. Yep. Like, absolutely everything. Oh, yeah. This is the episode where Edward usurps her. As a new representative of the crown. Yeah. Because he turned 21. So there's usually four representatives of the crown. And when Edward turned 21, he became, he knocked Margaret out of contention. Yep. So I wrote, the bottom line here is Margaret discovers what a monster her mother is. And when asked by Dazzle to escape and become Catholic, meaning she would have to give up her royal title, she refuses and slinks back to the very thing that has created her fragile mental state, the crown. I thought that we were going down a Bloody Mary, Elizabeth the First road here. <laughs> so it's like, what's Margaret going to do? <laughs> what's happening? Okay. So the epi- episode eight, Jen, is called 48 to 1. And it opens with Michael Shea, a writer, who is also the palace press secretary. And he's type. Man, I'm glad I did not have to type shit out on typewriter. Oh, God. I do you took typing class, right? Yes, but by the time I became a writer, we were on word processors. We had a I won't say her name, but we had Ms. Blank, the Viper hypertyper. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Let's just say it rhymes with those words. Okay. That was our typing teacher. And we had the rows of electric typewriters. And we had the oh. yellow recycled paper. Oh yeah. And that's what we would have to type the quick brown fox jumped over the lazy dog oh god preparing you to be good secretaries well let me tell you i can type fast you can't type. you don't type with all your fingers do you i don't did you just not learn how to do that mm, we, do only did it. we only did like, like one or two years with like one finger you do some no no i don't type with one finger that's not what i heard but i don't i can't not look oh and i cannot I, look i have to look no. Ah, oh, how do you yeah. how do you live? I have technic all the time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you should learn how to type properly. I live in I live in a world of chiropractors and ice packs. <laughs> I wonder why. I could never look at I have to look when I go for a number. Because mm. I'm not that good. 
So Michael Shea goes to his agent and she's kind of pushing him to write gossip about the crown, but he refuses setting him up as the beacon of morality. Right. He's a good dude. Jen, then we see Claire Foy is back. I love Claire Foy. I love her so much with her little prim proper voice. <laughs> it was so nice to see her again. She's giving her, it's a flashback and she's giving, obviously. And obviously. she's giving her, it didn't go sci-fi where Claire Foy comes <laughs> in. She's giving her first speech from South Africa and she's addressing the Commonwealth and she professes her undying devotion to the colonies. Because there's something with her father and the colonies or the Commonwealth. Like he was very attached to it. And he was always very into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like their last, you know, it's like their last colonies. Like it's right. They've lost so much of their empire. It's like the last like hand of imperialism that they have left. Yes. Yep. So Jen, it's apartheid. And I've asked you to look up some details about it. Go ahead. Apartheid, which in South Africa was from 1948 to 1990, is an authoritarian political structure based on white supremacy. Mm, okay. It was designed to keep the minority white population in South Africa in power. And mm. it came, the ascension to power of the National Party in 1948 is what started it. And we know the famous anti-apartheid leader, Nelson Mandela, who was arrested in 1962 and imprisoned for 27 years. Unbelievable. Then he became the president of South Africa, right? He was elected the first president of South Africa. Well, he was the president. It's weird. He was the president of the African National Congress in 1991. And then officially the president of South Africa. I don't know. They changed the title around in 1994. Okay. So he, uh, yeah, 27 years in prison. Just for being black. Yep. Yeah. Well, and fighting for equal right. Like, right, right. Fighting the power. So most of the Commonwealth are against apartheid and they want yes. to impose sanctions. But guess who's not, Jen? The hawk, Margaret Thatcher. Ugh. Yeah. And, they- and for sanctions to work, it has to be absolute. You yeah. can't have one person like bringing stuff in. So basically, Margaret Thatcher decides she's not going to sign this agreement. And the queen, the whole episode is the queen pushing her. Yeah. And I really liked this episode because we saw a side of the queen we hadn't seen before. And I looked up um, a lot of this and a lot of it is based on truth. Like there was a palace leak about their relationship. Do you know what I mean? Like it was really. When the queen says. Or when they, the queen said, what did she say about her? She said something about Margaret Thatcher that the. She's a cold hearted bitch. Basically. Yeah. I forget what the exact words were. Cold hearted snake. Cold hearted snake. I was going for there. That's Paula Abdul. Yes. Remember she had that weird video with that cat? She was like having sex with it or something. (laughs) Wow. Did that happen? (laughs) I don't know what happened to Paula Abdul. All right. So. We later we later learn, Jen, and the Queen reveals this that Margaret Thatcher's son has business ties oh, in South God. Africa. And I wrote, What is it with these fucking politicians and their children? What children Thatcher's maiden name, Bush. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> children. Do not go into anything that's gonna fuck like if you have a parent who's in politics, just go be a priest or something. It's a conflict of interest. This is the way stuff is done. Like this is rampant. This is rampant in this country. Yes, it is. All right. There's a scene that really highlights the inner hypocrisy of Thatcher. And I can't take credit for pointing this out. I read this in, I was reading the vulture and their um, synopsis. Um, And the writer wrote, she hates the idea of ever showing quote, womanly weakness, but also insists on personally cooking and serving dinner to her cabinet members. Well, yeah. And it's super weird because that, I mean, that's the dichotomy of Thatcher though. Like she, she loathes it, but also buys it, buys into it. It's so weird. I feel like grandma's like this too. But I remember like she was like, like, you know what I mean? Like she, she was like a woman can't be president, but like she, you know, she worked, she earned all the money for the house, but then she was like, no, women, women have to cook dinner. Women have to keep a house. You have to clean. Like, you know what I mean? She bought like the book, like 
it was kind of the idea that you are successful in this man's world if you don't if you don't act like every other woman, but then also you still have to be like every other woman. Like it's, it, right. it's you can't it's, win it. The idea is it's not equality; it's exceptionalism. Women, yeah. strong women, are equal to men. Strong women are equal to men, and they do everything women do too. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like it's they have to be do everything, not but do it, everything that men do. Right. Instead of just saying women as they are in whatever way they are can be just as successful as men. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like it's all these weird camps and assumptions. And yeah, it's really weird. I mean, and like she's like super strong and hawkish and like plays with the boys. And then when her son was gone, she broke down completely. Yeah. So it's like there's yep. this weird there's this weird double standard with her. We also see some of Thatcher's veiled racism. Oh, I don't think um, it's so veiled. At one point, she says to Elizabeth. There are ways of Britain being great again. <laughs> that phrase. Oh, no. Um, and that is through a revitalized economy, not through association with unreliable tribal leaders in eccentric costumes. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, that, that takes you back to like when Prince, or not Prince, what's this? Yeah, Prince Philip was the like. formerly known as Prince? No, Prince Philip. Oh, he's a prince, right? Yes, he was the Duke then, but he's a prince. He became a prince after that. When he was making that comment up to the tribal leader, he's the king of the tribe, and he's like, "Nice hat." And like Elizabeth was horrified, and like, "That's, that's a crown." Mm -hmm. Yeah, yep. it was horrifying. Yep. If you are, if you find yourself in a place where you are way out of your element. You look around and it is not northern New Jersey anymore, wherever you're from. Don't insult people. Just don't say anything. Don't say anything. And if learn. you don't understand it, don't say anything. Just learn something. And then Take go it home in. and open a book and learn about it. <laughs> like, first instinct, don't say anything. Okay. <laughs> like, Philip should have just been behind her nodding and, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, that's it. You don't insult people. Okay, I love the scene, Jen, where they're trying to find a synonym for sanctions that Margaret Thatcher would sign. Oh my God, that was the best. I felt like as an English major and a word person, you could appreciate this. I loved it. I mean, words matter. And words this, matter. this demonstrates it so beautifully. Like it was like back and forth. And who comes up with the right one? It takes the writer. The writer. Well, like, that's the whole thing. Like that's, you know, like sometimes you, it doesn't matter what the thing is. Like a writer can figure it out, even if they have no expertise with mm. the act. Like if they're not a politician, it doesn't matter. You're just like, I need another word for sanction. Yeah. Like figure out a way to say this differently. Like so that's he, it. He comes up with, do you remember? <sighs> no, I don't. Economic signals. <laughs> that literally means nothing. That literally means nothing. Okay. So, so the openness <laughs> between these two. Leads the queen to finally hold a position on something. Like yeah. the backdrop to all of this is the press is calling Michael Shea at the the at the castle? At the yeah. Palace? What is it? A palace. A palace. And, <laughs> the castle. and they're like, um, you know, we hear rumors that the queen doesn't like Thatcher or whatever, and he's denying them. But then finally Mar uh, Elizabeth's like, you know what? Don't deny it. Yeah. Let it float out there. Yeah. And he's like, what, what, what? Like, what? And she's like, let it happen. So Shay plants a story. And is then that his name? Is his name Michael Shay? Michael Shay, yeah. Isn't that the name of the guy on Saturday Night Live that does the news? That's Michael Che. C-H-E. Oh, it's Michael Che. Okay. Although I graduated with the kid name Mike Shay. No, hmm. not the same person. He, he did not go on to become. Same person. He did not travel back in time to be an adult and be the. Palace press secretary. Um, so she asks Michael Shea to plant a story, and when it blows up, which inevitably does, Shea takes the fall, and he's gone. Why did he do that? Why did he not see that coming? It's his duty, Jen. So another another scene that's so great here is it's Andrew's wedding to Fergie. Oh, that's right. And oh. Charles comes in, and he dismisses Andrew as a fringe royal. <laughs> <laughs> he 
is he's such an ass to his sibling to those younger brothers he's such an ass and he leaves the room and edward goes that was impressively cunty (laughs) (laughs) like i mean he is an asshole brother he really is he's the worst i think he's worse than you yeah he's worse than me you never called me more power than i have you never called me a fringe kid French royal. You've implied it though. Okay. I mean, not wrong. Not wrong. Not wrong. But you All right. Say that, Charles. All right. So that's the three episodes for this part of our podcast. And at the end of every podcast or every uh, show that we watch or movie or time capsule, we like to think about a lesson or some kind of um, maybe scar that we have from the events that we covered. Maybe upon the rewatch, it's something that we're discovering it. We call it our why, and it's designed to finish the sentence, Gen X, this is why. So my why for this episode is, Jenny, this is why only single people with no children or siblings should hold public office. No one can be blackmailed, asked for favors, embezzled, steal, cheat, lie, etc. Just single people whose parents are dead can run for office. Well, you know that, like, that's kind of a CIA thing, I feel like, where, like, you can't be an agent in the field if you have, like, children. I'm afraid that might lead to a lot of murdering of parents. Like, I want to be the president so I can murder my parents so I could be... You just have to be an orphan alone in the world. Or it could lead to more maniacs getting elected into office. But, I mean, it's not like you... The monarchy, at least, they pass it through the family. So you kind of are required to have a family. I'm just so sick of this bullshit with these kids, these drunk brothers. That leads to my why. Okay, go ahead. This is why you don't have a family. And you should try to keep your immediate family as small as possible. (laughs) We did. We did. We kept our family small. Yeah. And I even tried to knock you off when you were a baby. Oh, Jenny. Or so you say. You did. Well, I wasn't a baby. You mean when you used to smother me with the pillow? (laughs) Wait, you were older? I was like seven. Oh, wow. Okay. It would have been easier when you were a baby. Old enough that it scarred me. Old enough that I could write about it. Well, probably old enough that mom wasn't watching you so closely. Right. (laughs) I was always glued to mom crying. (laughs) Okay. All right. No, just the bigger the family, the more dramatic. Although I feel like there's there's like an optimal range, right? Because... I feel like if a family is like once it gets so big and there's so many siblings, then it kind of fractures into like smaller mm-hmm. groups. Mm-hmm. They're kind of at the size where it's like just annoying enough. Yeah. And they have like, we talked about that two age two set dynamic. Yeah. All right. So on our next podcast, we're going to cover episode nine avalanche and episode 10 war. Okay. Okay. All right. So (laughs) thanks a lot, guys, and we'll see you next time. Hi, everyone. Amy here. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. If you like what you hear, please consider leaving a five-star review. It really helps us to grow the podcast. If you'd like to support us, please consider joining our Patreon feed, patreon.com slash why. We're also on Facebook, and we have a Facebook group called the Mimi Bees, M-E-M-E-B. You can find this and all other information, including an email address for contact, at www.genxthisisy.com. Thanks so much, and thanks for listening.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.